Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who is the greatest gift that we have. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I don't know about you, but I watch... uh, fair amount of TV on the weeknights. I go home and it's just kind of a a nice thing to go home and and to be able to turn on TV and and to just kind of zone out. And one of those um, shows that that I end up watching and uh, that we watch in the Winters household is is NCIS LA. Um, Now I know some of you are probably of the original NCIS, uh, you know, um, that's okay, but it's still not LL Cool J. Um, And and so um, that that's what we watch, and uh, as we watch that, uh, you know, there's, there's one of these themes that comes up uh, sort of time and time again in shows uh, that, that are like that, or and this has actually shown up in that show itself, and it's this sense of going rogue. Now, when you go rogue, basically the idea is that you are this sort of secret agent guy or gal, And what happens is you decide that the people that are above you in rank or the people that are above you in authority, well, they don't really know what they're doing. And so you decide that you know better, and then you go rogue. You uh, decide that you're going to make the decisions for yourself, and you are going to complete, you know, some, some different mission than what your authorities tell you to go and do. And it's that sort of sense of going rogue that... um it is happening here with Paul and the Galatians. Because Paul is writing to the Galatians, and it's sort of like the end of one of those episodes where somebody goes rogue. Because uh, the happy ending to all of those shows is that when somebody goes rogue, as, at least if they're a good guy, if they're a bad guy, it's a whole different story. But if they're a good guy, the way that that always ends up is this. The person who goes rogue, it finally comes out that they have not been going rogue at all, but they have actually been following the orders of a higher authority. And that the lower authorities, well, they just couldn't know about that because, well, they're kind of doltish and they would get in the way. Well, that's what Paul is trying to do here in Galatians. He's trying to tell the Galatians, look, this is the end of that story where it it explains why I went rogue. I was actually following a higher authority. And so he's writing to the Galatians and saying, this is the way that it is. I follow Jesus. And that means that Jesus is a higher authority than the apostles who are back in Jerusalem. And the reason that he has to write that is that there have been some people in Galatia who've come to Galatia and told the Galatians there, we are, apost- we are disciples of the apostles. And because of that, you should listen to what we have to say because we have all of the right credentials. We're following all of the right authorities, all of the right people. And that's why Paul goes on sort of ad nauseum about, well, this is what I did. did. He gives us his whole itinerary. He was like, okay, I was knocked off of my horse, I went blind, um, and then after that, then I went over to um, uh, Arabia, and then I went back to Damascus, and I was doing that for about three years until I went to Jerusalem. And the whole reason that he's laying that out is he's saying, I was following Jesus, and 
what Jesus had to tell me was that I needed to go to Arabia and I didn't have time to go to Jerusalem. I didn't have time to go there and to sit at the feet of Cephas. I didn't have time to go back and talk to James. I didn't have time to go back and talk to Andrew. I had my orders from God. And when you get your orders from God, you don't need orders from people. And that's what Paul is saying here is that the thing that makes him an apostle, the thing that makes him who he is, is the power of God at work in him. Not that he sort of uh, lines things up right with all of the authorities that are above him. And what he is basically saying is, it's okay, and probably even necessary, every now and again at least, to go rogue. And we're here in a Lutheran church, and so I can uh, admit this, that uh, throughout this uh, preaching series, one of the things that that I'm I'm doing in order to prepare for these sermons is I'm reading Martin Luther's commentary on uh, the book of Galatians. And of course, so you have Paul, that he's going through this thing of going rogue, and that sort of sounds probably pretty familiar to Martin Luther. Because Martin Luther went rogue himself. He had this long history of a church and this huge hierarchy of a church that was over him. He had all of the right authorities and he had been a monk and he had gone through and jumped through all of the hoops and then finally he read the book of Romans and he said, wait a second. There's something more important here. There's a bigger authority here. And that bigger authority is God. And so, rather than honoring the authorities that are put over me, I have to go rogue. Which, if it's good enough for Paul, and it's good enough for Luther, well, it's probably good enough for you. And what that means is that I'm I'm your pastor, and I'm that sort of probably first level of authority for you before you go to the rest of the church. And that means that I'm going to tell you this right now. Don't trust me. I mean, you can trust me, but don't trust me as much as the Word of God. Because I commit sins. When we're all together and we're confessing our sins together, I'm confessing sins along with you. When I say the absolution where I say that uh, your sins are all forgiven in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, those sins that I am forgiving, those sins that I'm proclaiming absolution to, those include your sins, they also include mine. I'm a sinner. I make mistakes. Don't trust me as much as the guy who doesn't make mistakes. As the guy who isn't a sinner. Of course, that puts you in a pretty awful place. Because that means that all of a sudden, you have to read the scriptures. Oh, what a drag. 
That means that when we're going through this Galatians series, you maybe should crack open the book of Galatians to just make sure that what I'm telling you is actually in line with the book of Galatians. Because that's the authority that is most important here. Now, of course, I will try to live up to the great gift that I have been given as being pastor here. But it also means that you get to live up to the great gift that you've been given as being a Christian. That you get to look through what God has given you in the scriptures and say, does this line up with what I've been told? And if it doesn't, if I end up preaching heresy from this stage, I want you to come and get me. And I want you to call me to repentance. Because it's more important that you get the pure word of God than that you respect this office or you respect me. And so that gets back to this thing about the Dalai Lama, right? The question that I asked this morning was, would the Dalai Lama make a good pastor? And the, the really answer to that question probably sort of betrays how you start to think about what makes a good pastor and what makes a good person who communicates the Word of God to you. Because, let's face it, the Dalai Lama, dude is amazing when it comes to just being sort of a a mystical, sagey guy. I mean, he talks to people in the UN like, you know, I talk to my grandmother. It's like every Tuesday, he's on the phone with somebody. Hey, what's going on? How are things? And maybe for you, maybe it's not the Dalai Lama. Maybe it's somebody else who's got a a, a little bit more um, sort of uh, credibility for you. But if that person isn't a Christian, I'm going to tell you right now that they, they can't make a good pastor. Because as famous as the Dalai Lama is, as uh, credentialed as some people might be, in understanding scriptures or understanding whatever, if they don't believe this Word of God, they don't fit. They don't qualify. Which is actually really good news for you. Because your qualification with God, it doesn't have to do with anything that would qualify you in the rest of the world. Your qualification with God doesn't have to do with how well you follow the authority here at University Lutheran or how well you follow the authority of the Lutheran Church or how well you know the Scriptures or any of that. It doesn't mean that you're a great Christian because of that. It doesn't necessarily mean that you are a horrible Christian because you go out and you commit sins. Because neither of those things make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is that Jesus Christ died on a cross 
to save you of your sins. And that He gave you His gifting and His grace and His love and His power in the Holy Spirit. And that will motivate you to do things like read the book of Galatians. That will motivate you to do things like going out and talking to your neighbor. That will motivate you to do amazing things. And it all flows out of one singular point. Of your belief in what Christ has done for you. And when you begin to believe that, when you begin to have trust in that, you'll see amazing things happen. And it will enable you to go rogue if you need to. But it will also enable you to live in community. With brothers and sisters in Christ who you know if you turn to the right or to the left in here, that who you're seeing there is another sinner forgiven by the grace of God. Another sinner who believes this is the truth. That all I have from God is a gift. And what I do with that honors God. Amen.